Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 18. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 18. Now we're in a series unto the furtherance of the gospel with the idea that God has a desire to see the gospel spread. He wants to see the great commission accomplished in each and every generation. And with this Sunday School series, we see that there are three main prongs in order to see this accomplished. That the first prong was the prong of truth. That in order for people to come to know Christ as their Savior, they must have truth. That we have to have truth and mercy, truth and grace. Our words must be seasoned with salt, but we must must have truth. The second prong is the prong of friendship. That if in order for us to reach a world, we have to have influence with them. There has to be a friendship there. There has to be um, something that we could work with. As you think about your friendships, we understand that who a person is, is based off of two main things. The books they read or what they watch and the friends they have. Your friends influence you quite a bit. And so with the idea of friendship, there is so much influence that could come with it. With the friendship that we could influence someone for the Lord. And so we have to understand this principle of friendship. So we've already hit a couple things dealing with the idea of friendship. Once again, let's see here an example of friendship. So if you wouldn't mind to look with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 18. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 18. And if you wouldn't mind, notice with me starting at verse number 1. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. And it came to pass, when he made an end of speaking unto Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword, and to his bow and to his girdle. And of course, with here, we could see these two great friends, one of the greatest friendships that's recorded in the Word of God, dealing with the idea of Jonathan and David. This example of friendship, this testimony between these two things. Now, as great of a test it was, as it was for David in the previous cha uh, chapter to face the giant Goliath, it was not nearly the test that would be facing that Saul would prove to be. I meant facing the giant for one instance. I meant that was a big test of faith and he had trusted God. But the biggest test would be facing the king who would be haunting him 
for years, not only haunting him, but hunting him for years. How was it that he could survive? How was it that he could get through this? What God did in order to help David get through this test is that he gave David a friend. If you look through and as you understand this story, how many times Jonathan came in and how it was Jonathan's friendship that helped David be able to deal with Saul. And God provided this friendship in order to help David with this test. So we could see here not only this example, but we could see that it was God that provided it because he knew what David was going to face. Friendships is one of God's special gifts to the human race. Many men and women have faced a seemingly insurmountable trial of life. And God gave them a friend to help them through. God wants every one of us to be a true friend. And he could use this idea of friendship to help others go through things in their life. And so if you wouldn't mind, let's take some times and let's learn some things about this example of a friendship, this friendship between Jonathan and David. And let's explore so that way we ourselves can understand how important it is for this principle of friendship. The first thing I'd like to bring to you is the entry point of friendship. The entry point of friendship. You understand that every friendship has an entry point. The time that two friends enter in together. Notice if you don't mind in verse number one. And it came to pass when he, that's David, had made an end of speaking to Saul the king, that the soul of Jonathan, Saul's son, was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, David, as his own soul. Notice this, that Jonathan and David, they were knit together. That God did something to Jonathan as he's standing beside his father. David is giving a report, speaking to Saul. And something happened at that point where Jonathan looked at this young man. And he said, there's something to it. And it was Jonathan who purposed. It was Jonathan who led the way to meet with David. Now, why is this such a big deal? Because they were so different. You know, we can imagine two friends getting together because they're the same. But Jonathan and David were completely different. At this point in time, Jonathan is about twice as old as David is. Jonathan is probably in his 40s at this time. And David is a teenager. A little bit older teenager, but still probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s. And so here is someone, they don't have age in common. But Jonathan said, there's something to this man. Jonathan is the crown prince. When Saul dies, Jonathan is next in line to be king. He was raised in the palace. He was raised with royalty. He was raised with servants. He was raised in a different lifestyle. David was a ruddy shepherd who grew up outside, working hard. Two different lifestyles, two different places. Jonathan grew up in the city. David grew up out in the country. Jonathan was a man of war, already seeing victories. He was a decorated general, a celebrated general. 
And we already know David's um, (laughs) great heroics. But he just killed someone. Where Jonathan has been someone in battle for a while. So these are two men who don't have anything in common. However, when Jonathan is standing right next to his father. And he's listening to David give the report. There was something inside of him. God saying there's something to this young man. There's something to him I'm going to invest in. There's something to him that I'm going to help him out. And it was at that moment that their soul was knit together. There was an entry point into this friendship. Now, do you recall some of your true friends? How did you form those friendships? How did you enter in into that? Well, we understand that God has a place in there and there's a providential care of God. That he allows us to come into contact with people and that these people that we befriend, maybe they could help us. Maybe God's using us to help them. But do you understand that God is places people in our life on purpose? And he puts it in our life in purpose. Maybe to help us, but maybe to help them. But it is God's providential care. We need to enter into these friendships that may be wholesome and honoring to God. Think about the influences of your life. More than likely, some of the biggest influences in your life are friends that cared for you. That watched over you. That entered into your life. That invested in you. Or maybe that you invested in them. But God does this. Now, the opposite of that would be selfish people. Do you know that there are selfish people in this world? How do you spot a selfish person? They are alone. How do you spot a selfish person? They are alone. Why? Well, it wasn't because of God. God tried to put people in their life to invest in them, to love on them. To help them. God put people in the life that maybe they could help out. But they chose instead of engaging. They withdrew themselves. We're going to turn to this verse later and and look at it. But turn with me if you don't mind in Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. I'll go kind of out of order on this because I want to catch this. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 and verse number 24. Proverbs 18 and verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. You understand that? That in order for you to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly. All right? So God tries to place people in our life. So God puts someone in your life. You don't see it's God. You just see this stranger who comes in. Who tries to engage you in a conversation. And you just stare at him. Yawn. Walk away. And never engage with him. You know you could be missing an opportunity. That God is trying to put something in your life. Because he knows you're going to go through something. Maybe he knows that you need something. And he's already providing an answer to a prayer. Answer to a need you don't even know is there yet. David had no clue what he was about to face. In the storm that was Saul. 
He didn't know what he was going to face. But God had provided someone. Now he could have said, you know what? There's too many differences. I don't want to touch the crown prince. I don't want to uh, engage with him. I don't, you know, uh, I'm going to stay by myself, you know. And after all, Saul just told him, you can't go back home. You have to stay in the palace with me. I can't go back home. Well, fine. I'm just going to stay in my room. Will people act that way? In order to have friends, you must do what? Show yourself friendly. How many opportunities, how many blessings, how many things has God tried to put in our life and we ignored because we didn't show ourselves friendly? We've set aside, we put off these things that God has tried to provide for us. We understand there's an entry point to friendship that it doesn't have to have something in common. It could be someone that's completely opposite that God has placed in your life for the purpose of establishing a friendship. So we see the entry point of a friendship. Notice something else as we're back to 1 Samuel chapter number 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18, notice this, the expression of friendship. The expression of friendship. Notice with me in 1 Samuel 18, notice with me in verse 2. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 2. And Saul took him, that's David, that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he, Jonathan, loved him, David, as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword, to his bow and to his girdle. Now, this is an amazing thing. Humanly speaking, there was nothing David could honor, offer Jonathan that Jonathan could gain. It was a one-sided relationship. David could do nothing for Jonathan, humanly speaking. There was nothing David could offer him. And yet, Jonathan entered into this friendship anyways. What did he do? He went to David and he said, here's my sword. Here's my bow. I'm giving you my weapons. Then Jonathan took his royal robe and he gave it to David. With the idea that Jonathan should have been the king. But, David, but Jonathan says, you know what? I love you so much. I recognize that God's got a plan. I'm going to give this stuff to you because I know that you're going to be the king. This friendship is going to cost me everything. But I enter into it anyways. Isn't that amazing? You understand that's what love is. True love is a love that cost me something with no hope of return. You know what? I'm not going to spend time with that guy over there. I'm going to get nothing out of it. Well, that's the point. Again, if we just enter into friendships that only help us, that's not true friendships. You understand there's so many people that are hurting. It's not what I can get out of this friendship, it's how I can be a help to you. It cost Jonathan everything to enter into this friendship. David, you could be king 
in my place. My father's way and the way that we've chosen is the way of force. But it's not the right way. The faith life, that's the right way. And I believe in your way. And I want to help you with your way. Imagine what grace that took. What an example of friendship. Can you imagine a human heart so full of love for God and for a man that he would say, I'm the crown prince, but you could be the king. No wonder this example of David and Jonathan is lifted up as such a model of friendship. This is what a friendship should be like. What a devotion in a friendship should be like. The Bible says they entered into a covenant together, an agreement together. It wasn't that they signed a contract, but they had entered into a friendship and they bonded together. We're going to be friends. It may cost me something, but you know what, David? I'm going to be your friend anyways. You know, God wants us to see that the way that David lived is the way that we should live. Faith in God, glory in God is the way of the believer. And that's the right way. You know, as they do statistics for churches, they like to try to figure out what makes people come. Do you know the reason why people come is because they were invited? You know, years ago, uh, probably 10 years ago now, I ran into a statistic that they talked about people who had never gone to church. And 75% of the people who were, who were not going to church you know why they said they didn't go to church? They were never invited. Think about that. 75% of the people interviewed that said, who are not in church said they don't go to church because they were never invited. Think about that. Well, you understand, how are people going to be invited? Someone has to invite them. If we stay in our little bubble, and we could do that, we'll never meet people. If we never purposely go engage with a stranger, how are we going to invite them? By the way, this is why we like personal soul winning, knocking on doors. What that's doing, whether you realize it or not, is helping you develop the habit of talking to strangers. Amen. And yes, some of the people that you knock on may not come to church. But you know what? If you get used to talking to people, you could talk to a stranger at work that you see. You know, we have people that we work with day in and day out that are strangers. Now we can engage with them. We're, we've developed the habit of talking to someone because they need a friend and they need to be invited. To be honest, the reason why you are here today is someone invited you to come. I mean, for the most part, someone invited you. Someone <laughs> knocked on your door. Someone invited you from work. Someone invited you somewhere. Maybe someone left an invitation or track or something. But you came because you were invited. Now, if people come because they were invited, what makes them stay? We'd like to say doctrine, but it's not. Why do people stay to a church? Because they feel like they're accepted. Because they feel like they're loved. Because they feel like someone would miss them if they didn't show up. This is part of the idea that when they come in... We help them out. 
in just a moment as we preach through the book of Hosea, we're going to be introduced to a family that if you went and knocked on the door and they invited you in and you met the family, you may not say, you know what, I want you to come to church with me. It probably wouldn't be the type of person that you said, hey, you know what, let's go have uh, dinner together. Probably not the type of family that you want to be associated with. But yet here's a family that needed the Lord. How are people going to get the help if nobody comes and says, let me help you? Let me show you where you can get your help. Let me show you how you could be helped. Well, we see this expression of friendship. That here's a Jonathan who was not friends with David because he was getting anything out of it. In fact, he entered into this with the knowledge it was going to cost him everything. Well, when we try to reach people, it may not cost us everything, but it may cost us something. To put ourselves out there and they don't respond. They don't get back. They may hurt us, but we have to step out anyways. This expression of friendship. Which now brings us to one more thing. The example of this friendship. The example of this friendship David did not know on the day that he defeated Goliath how important it was to have a friend. He wasn't going to, didn't know how important Jonathan was going to be in his life. In fact, he probably would have made different decisions in his response to Saul if it was not for Jonathan. And Jonathan helped him through this. Through the storm that was Saul. Over and over. Jonathan spoke up for, for David in front of Saul. Hey, David's fine. Why are you upset with him? Why are you mad with him? You know, that's part of friendship. To stick up for your friend. Listen, <laughs> the things that you're saying about my friend that's not true. Please stop. He's my friend. You don't need to be saying those things. As we turn back to Proverbs chapter 18, I told you we were going to come back here. Proverbs chapter 18. Of, <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Who's that friend that sticketh closer than a brother? Jesus. Jesus. You know that in order for Jesus to be our friend, and by the way, he did call us friends, John chapter 18 and John chapter 15. Jesus called us friends. Do you understand that it cost him everything to be our friend? He died on the cross to give us salvation, full, free, and forever. He died on the cross so that way we can be friends with him and abide and have fellowship with him forever. It cost him everything. Here is an example here that we have a friend named Jesus who forgave our sins and it cost him everything and he did it because he loved us. He did it. He invested in it. By the way, when he got us, he didn't get anything special. He got something at the bottom of the barrel. Now, it's hard for us to think of us that way. I'm not bottom of the... Yes, you were. Low down, rotten, awful sinners. We were not a catch when God got us. But he loved us anyways. Even though we were the horrible dregs. And he loved us anyways. What a great love Jesus had for us. 
Now here it says, there is a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. But you understand so many people take this verse and they split it into two. It says here, they try to take the first part and they make it one verse. The man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And then they show verse 2, there's a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. But there's an and here. That word and is something in the English language called a conjunction. And it puts those two sentences together. There's a friend that sticketh closer to her brother. By the way, if a man's going to have a friend, we must show himself friendly. If you want to have a true friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's already done his part. But we have to show ourselves friendly to him. We have to want to spend time with him. Have you ever had that one friend that you tried to call and try to follow up with and they always made an excuse not to take your call or not to answer the door or not to talk to you whatsoever? It's hard to maintain a friendship when they don't want to spend time with you. Well, if we're going to be friends with Christ, he's already done his part. We have to be willing to spend time with him. You understand the Christian life is not about did you say a prayer. It's not talking about did you get fire insurance. The whole purpose of the Christian life is a fellowship that Christ desires to have with you. Could you honestly say I'm Christ's friend based off of the time that you spend with him? You see, the Christian life is a lot more than say, did you say a prayer? Do you have your sins forgiven? God wants you to have a relationship and a fellowship with him. And he wants to be your friend. Do you want to be his? We understand that the first friendship is this friendship with Christ. But with the example of David and Jonathan, we must also show ourselves friendly to others. We don't know how that friend may end up helping us. But maybe God's using us to help them. Remember this whole purpose is the Sunday school series. Is under the furtherance of the gospel. So many churches like the hermit uh, mentality. Us four and no more. We're just going to hold up till Jesus comes. And we're just going to endure to the end. And we're fine with just being here. God wants us to reach the world. And we can't do that if we're hermits. We can't do that unless we go out. You say, but you don't understand. I'm naturally shy. Who is it? I say this and my kids laugh every time. I'm a loner at heart. You know, what I would purposely like is I'd like a patron to pay me to sit in my basement and write textbooks. I'll be fine with that. I'm good. You say, I don't believe you. You know why <laughs> it's hard to believe? Because God's forced me to go talk to people. Amen. Develop the habit of talking to people. Understanding that I can't influence people that don't know me. You know, we like to pass out um, uh, preaching tapes. We can do that. <laughs> Not tapes anymore. Still stuck in the 60s and 70s. I've still got tons of preaching tapes from 60s and 70s and some of the great highlights of the preachers. But uh, we have technology now sharing it. Who cares what your neighbor thinks about some crazy preacher out in the middle of nowhere? I don't have a relationship with them. You know, the only reason why they might listen to it is because they like you. And they've trusted you. Invite someone to church. Why in the world do they come to a church? 
Unless they knew that there was someone there. That wants them there. This is why as we're preparing for Resurrection Sunday. And I make the joke that you know. Invite them and tell them you're going to get them a bologna sandwich. I mean, I'm saying that because we need to show some type of friendship with them. I guarantee you'll get more people to be your guests to come to a special meeting if you offer to help them with something. Whether it's food or, hey, you know what, you come with me and I'll buy you lunch. They'll come for the lunch. But they'll come because you invited them and you're caring for them. Rather than saying, hey, you know what, you show up at church and we'll put you in a pew by yourself and you could sit there. But you'll hear a great message. That doesn't sound as enticing anymore, does it? That's why... We should be wise about it. You know what? You come and be my guest. And I'll sit with you and we'll work with it. I'll be with you the whole time. Well, that makes them less nervous. Come. We have to show ourselves friendly. Even if we don't get anything out of their friendship, they may get everything out of it. They may hear a wonderful thing. But we have to step out. We have to learn how to work on we all know that we live in America now that if you had someone crying at work outside on a bench, most people would walk by and not touch them at all. You know what they need? They need a friend. They need someone to get out of our comfort zone and say, you know what? Are you all right? How can I help? It may mean everything to them that someone cared for them. But we have to step out. I understand for Many of us who are timid, that's a big ask. But we understand this is what's required. Because we want to reach them with the gospel. And this is the example that God has given us. And then, of course, the example of David and Jonathan. Oh, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But he that hath friends must show himself friendly. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.